this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our spotlight is on communication and the future. I have a familiar voice. Many people will know Alvin Jones, host of Planet Vehicles from WOL, WHUR, BET. Now, of course, Planet Vehicle. You also know his work from C-SPAN. We talk about not only Selma to Montgomery, communications, the African-American community, the community at large, and where we're going. Awesome interview. Alvin and I are coming at you right now. Alvin Jones, welcome. Hello, Sabrina. Hey. It's good to be on the show. Well, thank thanks you for so much. Me. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, we are talking everything Montgomery Selma, and we're talking about some of the things in between where we are at, as a as, as a people, where we are as people of the human race. But we're also talking about uh, the legacy, what we've gone through, and where we're going. Wow, <laughs> I think all of those are important. Most definitely. You started in uh, the PR business when? Well, I started in radio. Um, I always like to say that I started in high school uh, doing the morning announcements, and then I went to Howard University. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was on their student station, WHBC, which at the time was only in the dorms, but now it's on HD radio, and and actually um, you can hear them on XM radio, so I'm really proud of of my alma maters, and of course, uh, 1978, I got a chance to work with WHUR, mm-hmm. and uh, 79, I started doing The Quiet Storm, and that kind of helped me take off my career, and actually, that got me the job at BET, where I was there from 84 to 91, um, hosting Video Vibrations, Soft Notes, Midnight Love, created Rap City with Chris Thomas, and I was known as the uh, Unseen VJ. So that was kind of my kickoff. Um, But, you know, we're talking about civil rights. We're talking about Selma. We're talking Mm -hmm. about 50 years. Um, At that time, I was six years old. But, you know, I've been thinking about things and about why I do what I do. And it hit me uh, this past summer because I remember when I was four, I was over in in D.C. over by uh, Gallaudet College over in the Trinidad area at my cousin Sylvia's house. Mm-hmm. And at four years old, on August 28th of 1963, I'm sitting in front of the TV watching the March on Washington because I knew that my parents were there. And I was sitting in the TV as a four-year-old watching all these heads to see if I could see my parents. And then, you know, it just took me a while now I realized that that shaped my life. Mm-hmm. A, my parents taught me about getting involved, and B, the power of media to bring a message. So that's kind of what I've been doing um, ever since, is using media to get a message out to help our people. And so when you look at the movie Selma, when you look at the festivities where everybody's down there, when people are focused on what's going on and when attention is being paid, when we realize why it's important, then action happens. And so I'm kind of fortunate because I work here up on the hill. Um, I provide uh, footage for the leadership on the House and Senate side uh, for the weekly press conferences and also for a lot of the hearings. So, you know, um, I, I was fortunate enough to be a technical director for one of the hearings for Loretta Lynch. Um, as she's going for her nomination for Attorney General. Mm-hmm. Um, also, 
uh, hearings with Eric Holder, who's the current Attorney General. And so I realized that entertainment, media, and politics all go hand in hand. Because if you look at what happened with Selma, the fact that that was broadcast on TV, what happened on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, that got information out where there was a dialogue. And people were like, okay, what is going on down here? Well, why, what did these people do? They wanted to vote. Wait a minute. We're supposed to be Americans. We're supposed to have a vote. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, liberty and justice for all to form a more perfect union. Um, and it brought into people's homes the ugliness of what was going on with segregation in the South. And once people see it, once people realize the ugliness of it, then it, it, it starts the humanitarian belief that, hey, this is not right. This can't go on in this country. And so when people go to see the movie Selma, it rekindles what happened. When you look at the March on Washington, for, which was really March on Washington for jobs and, 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 uh, and, and economic freedom, Mm-hmm. When you, you look at all of these things that have happened, even something as the push for a uh, holiday bill for Martin Luther King, you realize that those events need three things. Well, four. They need people involved. They need politicians who have to realize they have to make a change. Um, they need entertainers who draw people and then it needs the media to broadcast it. Mm-hmm. And those are the four things that I realized that are, are so important, like I said, at the age of four, that to get this done. Look at the, the King and Holiday bill got passed because of Stevie Wonder's push. Right. Um, you look at what happened with Nelson Mandela. That's because people got behind it. You look at the media. You look at what's going on in South Africa. Even the movie Cry Freedom. Mm-hmm. With uh, Denzel Washington, yep, yeah. I did not know who Stephen Biko was until oh. then. So huh. those are the things that that are needed, even in this day and time. So with media outlets, for example, with your show, you are making sure that the word gets out. It's important. That's why people come on your show mm-hmm. because they know it's important to get the word out to the masses. They also know that media is important. The people who are listening to you, they depend on you to get that information. So I want to thank you, congratulate you, and say please don't ever stop what you're doing because it is sorely needed. Well, thank you. I don't plan to stop. I don't plan. I know my, my listeners would be asking, those of us who are history buffs, um, the black media uh, had a lot to do and, 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 of course, the black church and the community all together making a lot of the March on Washington. You can even go back to the Pullman Porters. You can go back to the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. Anything from Marcus Garvey Ford, we had black press within yeah. the, media, uh, the, the mainstream of the black community and communities in general. How important um, do you think that that is today? to keep this type of relevant information out so we don't just have just commemorative 50 year celebrations of marches and we have to pull some new people we have to pull young folks we have to pull millennials in to keep this moving forward 
Yeah. Well, you know what? What you're talking about is so multifaceted that you have to keep going. That's why, you know, you said you had Mark Thompson on, the Joe Madisons, who, who make sure that information gets out, the Roland Martins. Then there are millennials who are coming in, but we have to make sure we get that information out so that the millennials will know what's going on um, so that they can get caught up, you know, so that, you know, it, it's, it's like with a marathon. The, for the next runner, that runner has to start running they have to get at the same pace that you are so you can pass that baton on. Mm-hmm. Because there are more outlets that are available now. But the question is, what fills it? Is it going to be information about the, the real housewives of Atlanta, who some of them are housewives, or is it going to be about what really needs to go on? Is it information about, you know, a Loretta Lynch who has a stellar career and can be a... Uh, the first African American woman to be the Attorney General. So mm-hmm. it's we've got to make those choices of what information is important to get out. But we also have to make sure that the millennials get caught up, so that we can say, "Hey, we've we've done our turn. It's your thing. Let's pass the baton and and head to the finish line." Um, I'm glad you also mentioned about the sleeping car pourers because A. Philip Randolph was very instrumental in putting together. The, um, the the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Mm-hmm. Those organizations where we have people come together, those are things that are very very important. Um, you know, our uh, our fraternities, our sororities, our members of organizations. Any time that we can come together and unite, those are things that. That, that are going to take us to the next level. If they say united, we stand, divided, we fall. Mm-hmm. Also, um, in terms of unity, one of our legendary uh, entertainers who was part of the March on Washington and helping Dr. King mentioned that today's performers really aren't as involved in the civil rights uh, strike. Um, um, we've had Ferguson and other things go on, Trayvon Martin. And uh, a lot of older foot soldiers are saying, well, where are the activists? Where are the people? Why aren't they speaking out? And they're directing it at my generation, the millennials and others, um, saying, hey, where are you all at? Why aren't you taking a bigger stand? Why don't you think it's uh, in vogue for people to take stands? Or was that just not passed on? Well, one of the things that I think is a factor, and I'm not giving it as an excuse, but I think it is a factor, is that the millennials or the current performers now didn't have to deal with the Chitlin circuit or you can only play the south side of Chicago but not the Magnificent Mile. So there are some barriers that have been broken down so they they don't have that concern as much. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy, Fritz Pallard, who uh, was like one of the first NFL coaches who was african-american and one of the things he says we drink from wells we have not dug so you have some people that are drinking from these wells they haven't dug so they don't even know that a well had to be dug to drink all they know is they turn on the faucet and there's the water what do you mean wells i don't i don't get it and so there are some people who who don't but you have your commons you have your john legends who i applied for um taking the time on a platforms as large as the Oscars to make a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, folks like Prince 
to, to say that black lives matter. Um, there are some folks who still get involved. Um, I think with Trayvon Martin, I think with uh, Michael Brown, uh, you had athletes who in their own way did what they could within the confines. So you have to understand now, with entertainment, with sports, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a billion-dollar industry. So you can't get off message and get out of line because you're basically you're representing a company and you know the the opinions mentioned need to be in line with the company that has brought you to the forefront so it's not wanting to to um, to step on that brand now you remember when Muhammad Ali went against the nomenclature of, of how things would normally run um, he paid a price for it and it's a rare person that can pay a price um, for standing out and being on their own. Mm -hmm. um, I always look at it this way. You will see sometimes on a sidewalk, you will see a crack in the sidewalk and a little blade of grass. And the question is, did the blade of grass come through because there was a crack in the sidewalk or did the sidewalk crack because of the blade, in the gra the blade of grass? Mm. That's deep. <laughs> That's real deep. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah, you have to ask those questions. Right. And, and, and I think as it becomes more vogue, when the community says, hey, we expect our, you know, when we're paying you money to perform, we expect a little more out of you, then I think it'll, it'll, it'll come to pass. Now, the question that would come through my audience's mind is, you're mentioning multi-billion dollar sports, entertainment, sometimes even, you know, uh, television uh, opportunities. Do you think the money cripples people from not opening their mouths to say, hey, this is wrong? Or do you think that, uh, um, you know, w w what is your fear? Do you think it's money that's blinding people, too? Well, when you sign up for something, you realize the lane that you have to stay in. Um, mm -hmm. that is part of, you know, when you sign up for something. Yeah, it, it, I look at it this way. Um, I started off working with um, WHUR, and mm -hmm. then I started working with uh, BET, uh, and then from KISS and, and C-SPAN and XM. Every time that I worked for someone, I was a part of what their brand is. So I cannot step out of line and go outside of the way that the country, the company wants because I don't own that company. Now, I have my own company. Now, I can say what I want because I'm willing to pay the price, but mm -hmm. if someone works for me and they're representing me, they can't just say what they want because guess what? It's my company. It's my reputation. It's my dollars that I'm spending on the line. So it's the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. But, but guess what? You have to pay to be the ruler with the gold that you have. Hmm. Wow. Well, that brings me to the next question. You're talking about starting your broadcasting career in the 70s. We had many more newspaper and radio outlets to put information within our communities, African-American, multicultural, you name it. Today, that's dwindled down. Even some of the big... Um, places like BET and others, they're not even owned by us anymore. That's one thing that happened within you know, the last hundred years. We were able to have a Harlem Renaissance, a higher uh, African-American middle class, etc. 
And these people patronized not only the restaurants, the magazines, newspapers, etc. We don't have that as much. How can we still get information? Uh, I, I think that the black media is vitally important. Well, the black media has been important. It's important. It will always be important. But the black media takes on different things. There are websites now. There are video channels. Um, there's a there's a thing called Boss, which is I, I get their information about sports, and they mm-hmm. give me information I may not get on ESPN. So the question is, how do we find this information? And, and to me, the great thing about Google is you can say, you know, type in something, I want this. Or even with Siri, with iPhone, Siri, get me this, boop, boop, boop. The question is, are we willing to look for it, or do we just want it to fall in our laps? There's so many things that are going on. I mean, if you think about it, I have a company with with, with the Alvin Jones Communications Group. I have a, a car show, which is on TV, and a website, planetvehicle.com. I'm available to 8 billion people, but I still have to market and get my name out. And, and thank you for letting me just put that blur about so that people can know to go to no But it still has to be marketing. It's it's like it's almost like Match. dot com or whatever. You can be the perfect mate for someone, but if the person can't find you, you're just you're both going to be lonely. Mm. Yeah, you're talking about ownership. I love talking about entrepreneurship, ownership, and uh, you. We work with W O L W H U R my alma mater over at Howard University. I'm sure you honed a lot of skill. Who did you uh, apprentice under, and who have you been able to see in your legendary career? Uh, wow. Who did I practice under? Um, uh-huh. Yeah. On the TV side, there was a gentleman by the name of Bill Pratt. Um, and what was so impressive about Bill Pratt, sometimes we had a 10 o'clock class. Sometimes Bill would be a little late for the Monday class because he was directing TV for the NFL on CBS. And I just thought that was so impressive that my teacher is an actual director in the world. Um, there was uh, a, a lot of folks that, like Holly Garima, who who is a, a filmmaker, who were there and being a part of what's going on. We had Samuel Yet at the time, um, or the Oldfield Dukes. We had people who were in the business who were doing exactly what they were teaching us. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such an that was such an incredible thing too to be able to learn from people who are actually doing it and can tell you in the real world, hey, this ain't going to make it. This is what they're expecting, and forget what you think you're going to give them. They don't care. This is what they want. So basically, they they managed expectations at a very young age, and I think that helped me a lot because I was on radio by my sophomore year because I was with people who expected you to do well and would accept nothing except for excellence. Awesome. Awesome. And many of these people, you know, when did you run into, like, the Kathy Hughes's and and, and, and people who would be legendary in actually owning, um, you know, be, uh, you know, her, her now television station, you know, TV One, Radio One? You passed through there. Where were you there? I came to Howard in the fall of 1977. So wow. Kathy was uh, the general manager. And I remember um, the person, it was a young lady, Sheila Eldridge, so she went on. She's an executive producer for the Cafe Mocha show with uh, MC Light and uh, wow. and Moni Love and them. But Sheila left to get a job with the record industry, and she was doing 7 to Midnight. Melvin Lindsay had graduated from 
Howard and was working the promotions over at Channel 4. And so um, she brought him back. And that was the big thing, that, you know, Melvin Lindsay's coming and he's going to do Quiet Storm Monday through Friday. So a lot of these folks that were making names and doing things, they were right under feet um, for us. Um, you know, we'd always see James Brown, uh, who's CBS now, sports commentator, just walking around. And... It was a, it was the funniest thing. The time that well, I was at WHR, it was so legendary. So you had all these people doing great things, and it was just it. It was like the remember the era of, of movies back when you had Jimmy Durante and all of the stars, and you know it's just that kind of place where I don't think it will ever happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when Kathy Hughes went over to manage WYCB. Um, and that was such a strong thing because they were doing a combination of gospel and inspirational. So all the music that you heard was something positive. Um, and that was the building. And then she went to buy WOL. And it was her and Dewey Hughes. So it, it was just an amazing thing to see these folks who expected to do well. And you couldn't tell them they weren't. And that's what they did. I mean... In the words of George Clinton, free your mind and your behind will follow. Everybody's mind was free to do what they wanted to do. They knew it needed to be done. They weren't going to wait for somebody else to do it. They said, look, if it needs to be done, and I know it should be done, let me just do it. So, you know, being around a Kathy Hughes and, and folks like that, I just did a show with Joe Madison where he um, got the Guinness's Book of World Records for the Longest Broadcast to raise money for the Smithsonian uh, African History Museum and you know a chance to be on his show or being around a Mark Thompson or a Bernie McCain when he was alive or a, a more better man these were people who were just legends so to be around them was just you know for them to know your name you know like we were talking about more better man yeah, mm-hmm. I would get off the air at XM Radio at 2 o'clock in the morning I'd see more better men in the hall and go hey Alva Jones come on over here man be on my show and and how did you turn down the more better man so I'd get home <laughs> 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning get 3 hours of sleep and head the next day and we're like what was wrong with you oh well more better man had me on his show late last night so why don't you go home I said man you can't turn down the more better man no <laughs> so being around those people gives you inspiration it's kind of like if you wanted to um, play baseball and you walk around and you saw you know, uh, Juan Marichal and Willie McCovey and, and Hank Aaron and, you know, Ernie Banks. You know, mm-hmm. just being around those people made you think that you could do it. Yes, what I learned from my alma mater, I learned from a lot of wonderful people, a lot of role models, presidential appointees and others. And uh, it's I miss I miss them. It's not been that long since well, I miss you too. I miss them. I missed them. Yeah, I miss them. And, um, you know, you learn so much actually seeing them in action. And, you know, even when you talked about more better man, he genuinely cared about the people. And that's yeah. what I loved about him. And he was open to dialogue. He would open up the phones mm-hmm. and he would just go for it. He's like, mm-hmm. whoever's, you know, tell me what's, what's going on. He would just want to hear what you had to say. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I'm thinking to ask you about media today in that we are seeing a lot of great movies, I should say great performances in movies like The Help and like Selma. And it's a great reminder of, you know, times gone by. 
but it's kind of kept us focused only, say, 50 years ago. We have really real things happening right now where media, African-American media, can, you know, really be involved in a lot of social change. Do you think we'll get a younger Joe Madison, a younger Al Sharpton? Oh, yeah. I mean, you always... I, I think one of the things we always look at is who's going to be next. And actually, people will... You know, throughout the ages, the concern was always, what about these youngsters? They're just going amok. Can't tell them what to do. You know, and that was back in the Roman days. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you think about it, the way that we talk about hip-hop music and the booty shaking and, you know, shaking your, your butt and, and everything in front of the camera, uh, that's what parents said about rock and roll. If, you know, I'm yeah, always looking. I, I look at things, I always tell people, I said, you know, the gangster rappers have to think, Elvis Presley. I said, because Elvis, back in the day, they were upset because Elvis was shaking his pelvis. Mm. And they would, they didn't want him on TV. But Elvis got so large that they had to show Elvis shaking his pelvis. So when you see rappers, you know, with the fingers in the air, pretending like they got guns, they couldn't have done that if Elvis hadn't, you know, led the way. Because think about it. If if they didn't want a white man shaking, you know, moving his hips, what makes you think they would want, you know, five black guys and and white beaters, you know, riding a six four, throwing up money and carrying guns? So mm. I always look at folks who think that they're blazing a trail, and it goes back to what I said: they drink from wells they have not dug. Mm. And so that's why you think, you know, because rap you're mentioning um, it started out message music, and then it got to be something else, say, right. 20 years ago, uh, where now we, you know, we talk about what's going on you know, 50 years ago. Oprah just had an uh, event where she had civil rights people. She also had the Smokey Robinsons and the Barry Gordys and others who were first in their industries. I guess you can put Ed Gamble and Huff in there. Yeah. Um, the music so you got to put Gamble and Huff because they were the ones mm-hmm. doing the message music. You know, That's right. The message on music, clean up the ghetto, wake up everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even songs like... Um, that were message songs. They say, hey, you know, uh, don't call me brother. 992 mm-hmm. arguments. Put your hands together. Love mm-hmm. train. These were all songs that had messages that people could relate to. Even, you know, their uh, musical offspring like McFadden and Whitehood, Ain't No Stopping Us Now. Mm-hmm. But those are uplifting messages. What uh-huh. we've seen really in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so, we've seen some positive things. We've seen the John Legends and the Commons, and there are others out there who have some great message music. But the images that are coming across our television where African-American men are concerned is, is, is very painful. To watch a legendary uh, comedian and entertainer go down uh, with accusations of things going on, that really hurts. What do you think is going on with the image of African-American men right now? Well, let's, let's say a couple of things. Um, and there's a person who you haven't mentioned his name and I won't either, but there were just so many accusations, and that's, that's hard to say. It's, it's painful to have it brought up. It's painful to think that that person did what he did. But it's also painful if it's true that he did it and women were victimized and were held silent for such a long time. Um, That is just a painful situation on both sides. I just ask that the truth come out 
Right. And once it does, let's, you know, if he didn't do it, let's move on. If he did do it, let's figure a way to to get it rectified on both sides. You know, how do we heal the people that have been affected, and how do we get help for the person who is, is doing the affecting, if you know what I mean. So um, there's always going to be... America has this love-hate relationship with celebrity, mm. and um, it just happens. One hand has the helium to blow your head up, and the other hand has the needle to push it out. So it it gets to a point where once you... Here's what I was taught. Before I got even got on the radio, I was told that, hey, you know what? Half the stuff you get credit for, you never did, and half the stuff you get blamed for, you never did. This is the sacrifice that you've made to be in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that they can love you one day and hate you another. That's just the way the business is. And it's one of those scenarios. I think in America, we we get caught up into that you know, that admiration of a person and in condemnation at the same time. If you, if you think about it, now that we're talking about, um, you know, this whole conversation started off with, with, with uh, Selma, mm-hmm. you know, the last year of Dr. King, people were not literally filling him. That's right. You know, and had he, had he stayed longer, he may have been just pushed to irrelevancy. Oh, that was mm-hmm. good. We don't want to hear about that. You know, I got a dashiki on, I'm, you, know, you, know, you know, I'm putting on my Afro shake. But because he was assassinated at that time, we lost somebody that we knew what he did and we knew that we could never get him back. And so at that point, everything that we... It's kind of like getting into an argument with someone you love and then finding out they're in a car crash. Hmm. The argument is no longer important, if you know what I mean. Wow. Ownership. We're going to get back to one more question about that. Ownership, uh, yes. We, we had um, recently a founder of a major black um, television station <laughs> uh, who, who started in D.C. that she used to be with, who was saying that now the images that are being put out aren't necessarily wholesome and very demeaning to the African-American community, but uh, the owner sold that, and normally when you sell out, you sell out to someone that doesn't look like the community. What well, do you say you, about that? Let me, let me say this. Um, I worked for BET. I started working for BET September 17th of 1984. Wow. That day, BET grew by 100%. It went from having 40 people employed to 40 people employed. We were at 5202 River Road, which is where Channel 20 was. It's now, believe it or not, a, uh, a, body, a body repair shop. And Bob Johnson came in, and I just thought, because, you know, I always wanted to have the first black television network. That's what I thought I was going to do. But I had a chance to work for the first black television network. And I'm thinking, oh, this is the whole thing we're doing. And Bob basically stated what it is. My goal is to make BET the predominant source for advertisers to reach the black community. Boom. And it goes from me thinking what I think it should be to here's a man who put together a business plan. (laughs) And to put it together, he knew because he had worked at Cable Television uh, Association uh, as a lobbyist, he knew that he had to get a cable provider in. He had to have somebody that had a, a good background in marketing like HBO. And I think it was Great Adventures that owned Channel 20 and they owned um, King's Dominion at the time. 
he gave them each 16%. He owned uh, 52%. He was majority owner. But to get in, there has to be, you know, people are just going to give it to you because, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm black. I want to have a company. Uh, everybody's in business the same way. So you're, you're, there's nothing wrong with being a black business, but your business has to have some value um, because this is commerce. So I realized what he was attempting to do. Now, as times, you know, things change. When the Communications Act of 96 came through, it used to be um, you could own no more than seven stations mm-hmm. and radio TV stations, and you couldn't have a radio TV and a newspaper all in one city. That's mm-hmm. why uh, Washington Post sold, uh, actually they gave the frequency for WTOP-FM to Howard University. What? So when it changed, then you could buy um, as many stations. You could have five, six stations in one one area. So it changed to a, uh, um, it changed in a lot of ways. It changed for minorities as far as buying because now you have to compete with uh, your clear channels, your AM, FMs, your infinity broadcasting, who could buy a whole bunch of stations, CBS radio. So the game changed in 96 with that with that telecommunications act. And that's mm-hmm. where we had to work because it's very hard to be... WHUR is the only station that I know that's a solo station that stands for itself because it has such a strong history. But um, I remember when I worked for KISS before KISS got sold to Kathy Hughes. And Skip Finley uh, was one of the owners of Albemarle Broadcasting. And he was trying to buy stations, and if he couldn't buy, he decided he was going to sell because he saw it coming. And this was back in 95 when we got sold to, to uh, Radio 1. He saw it coming, is that you had to have more than one property because... If you're just one station, you don't have other things, you, you get leveraged out because you can be um, triangulated. If you've got a station that's, that's, you know, and say you have a station, I got a station that's aimed towards 18 to 34 African Americans, and then I got another station that's age aimed to 35 plus African Americans, I can send my audience to here, my audience to there, where are you going to be in the middle? You're one station. So those were the things that happened, that you had to be a part of the team. You had to be with someone. Mm-hmm. So BET could not stand alone by itself. Um, if you look at all of these channels, they're all part of something. Even radio, you know, TV One is partly owned by Comcast. Wow. So there is no way that you can get in without having somebody else who's a major player. You've got to get your station on the cable outlets for distribution, and those cable companies, they want a piece of it. Mm. We have a lot of Internet television. What do you think of the future of Hulu and, you know, uh, Revolt and all the other ones that are coming up? Do you see that this is going to be the new explosion in television? Because people are getting their information Really, on their iPads, iPhones, and Nooks, and all these other things right now, things are changing. Well, it's two things. It's marketing the product, and it's how you market your product, how you position yourself, and getting the word out. Um, And like I said, I know from having a TV show and a website, I constantly have to 
market, 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 because I think I've got some of the best programming in town, but it doesn't matter if nobody sees it. That's right. And, you know, if it's, it's kind of like I could be Cinderella. If the prince is looking for me and I'm Cinderella, but there are 500 women at the ball, I need to have a silver slipper, <laughs> a glass mm. slipper of something that makes me stand out. Other than that, I'm just one of 500 women trying to get the prince's attention. Mm. You're right. You're right. Are you, have you, are you on the Internet? We're on the Internet. we got com, but we're also on Channel 7 here in Washington, D.C., which is now owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. Even with that, uh, wow. within the last year, Channel 7, which used to be All Britain Communications, got bought by Sinclair Broadcasting. So there's a lot of, you know, you have to be on a big team. Doing it as a standalone doesn't work anymore. Wow. And you're going to continue to own, but have you decided, you know, is, I know people are kind of coming to you now. They see the, the success that you have. Where do you see Planet Vehicle? Where do you want to go? Well, what I want is it to be manageable. I think a lot of times people want something to grow larger than what it is. So with the brand, what we've done, if anything, it takes about five years to show that we're four and a half years into five years. Uh, they always tell you that a business doesn't turn a profit for, you know, for five years. Matter of fact, I've got on my desk here uh, a, a dollar in a loose site from BET when they made their first profit. So I knew that the things that I saw for Planet Vehicle weren't going to happen until five years. So we're now getting close to that. What I want is I want it to be something that is manageable, something that has an audience appeal and something that can be scaled up or down depending on what's needed. Because I think a lot of times, um, sometimes people have something that's good and they don't have the ability to expand it. Uh, and sometimes they may have a tendency to make it so large that when things change, they can't make a change quick enough to adapt. So I always tell folks, if you want to make God laugh, tell them your plans. Um, <laughs> I, I have a plan. For, yeah, I, I have a plan for what I think it should be, but I find that more people are adapting to it because I really thought the show was about cars. To me, Planet Vehicle is the entertainment tonight or the sports center of cars. Where if you want to learn something about cars, test drive what's going on in the industry. But what I realized is four years into it, I realized it, it's really Alvin Jones with cars. Where. I designed Planet Vehicles to be a standalone thing on itself. And people kept saying, you're going to have to be the personality who drives it. So now Planet Vehicle probably will have more of my personality into it. I will make use of uh, and leverage relationships that I have with celebrities because people like celebrities too and cars. So we just did a piece uh, on Michael Jordan's cars that he likes. Uh, we've got a piece coming up this weekend with Idris Elba, the actor, with the Jaguar. Uh, we've had um, uh, Patrick Dempsey, better known as McDreamy from Grey's mm -hmm. Anatomy, because he's a car driver. We've had um, Usain Bolt, who's you know fastest man in the world. So it, it all relates to that. I mean, we've had uh, uh, oh, Neil Long on the show talking about Mercury. So when it comes to it, it changes. So. You know, like I said, I, I just said, let me just be the producer and put the product out, but I realized that Planet Vehicle and I are so tied together that, I don't know, I may not be able to sell it 
because it's probably a part of me now. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's great, though. That's great to have your brand and uh, be recognized. And actually, you sound like you're having fun doing it. I am because I'm coming, becoming comfortable with being in front. Um, I always felt that producing was the big thing, even with BET. Uh, originally, we were going to have a camera in the studio, but um, as I started expanding and doing more programming, uh, at one time I had four shows on BET, and with that, um, having to do the shows and to spend the time to be on camera, we started doing it as a voiceover, like radio with, with pictures, and it worked out. Um, the shows became popular, and I could walk down the street and nobody knew who I was. Um, so I didn't have the problems Donnie Simpson had of people following him down the street. Hey, Donnie Simpson, can I get an autograph? So for me, the production part is what I like, putting it together, seeing what it's like, um, knowing what elements come together to make it work. Beautiful, beautiful. Anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, just, I, I say be hopeful. Uh, be hopeful, have faith. Um, we know what needs to be done. You know, now that we all agree that these things need to happen, um, I think there should be scenarios where, uh, with African Americans, should support black banks. We should support companies that will take a look at businesses. I think we need to think about starting our own business, even if it's selling, you know, grandma's home, um, you know, uh, brownie recipe to um, having a barbershop. You know, look at entrepreneurship and understand what it is. You know, one of the people that I really admire, and he's been doing this for such a long time, is Joe Frazier. I mean, George Frazier. <laughs> Joe Frazier. <laughs> George Frazier. He knows how to say, look, we have all these dots. When we connect and we have a web and we look after each other. So That's right. He's the type of person that I've, have, I've had a lot of respect for because he continues to do this. And he doesn't have to. I mean, George has made his name, but he continues to connect people. He's that person just that, that keeps that steady beat so that we can keep marching. Um, I believe in black businesses. I believe in black consumers. I believe in the quality that we have. I believe in our excellence. I just want us to, if it's a choice of mediocrity or excellence, let's go for the excellence. Let's just, you know, go for it. And, and don't be afraid to move forward. Don't be afraid to ask for more. Don't be afraid to demand more, and especially from yourself. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with me. Sabrina, it has been my pleasure. You know, everybody else has been on your show, and finally I get that call. This is better than <laughs> Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> Thank you so much. for. I mean, this has been a pleasure to just not only speak uh, to a, another alum, but to really learn about your career. And you know, really, at, you, you, you've been here, and your name just pops up all over the place. It's like, gee, I'm interviewing Alvin Jones. I just tweeted my followers. <laughs> and they put well, It's good that people people like you, because at first you start off with, hi, I'm Alvin Jones, who? (laughs) Then it becomes, uh, what's the guy's name, Alvin, Alvin, uh, 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 oh, oh. Then it's like, oh, yeah, Alvin Jones. Then they go, who? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm trying to be like uh, the Brady Bunch and Charlie Wilson and... and, I love Charlie uh, Wilson. (laughs) And and, and Chris Jasper. I want to have a second go-round of this, and... um, and, and I know you had Chris Jasper on the show also. 
Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun asking him about some of those songs I used to hear playing in the house with my, my grand people and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Just a beautiful time. Beautiful well, if time. you think about it, he, Marvin, and, uh, and Ernie did the original uh, BBD. Because remember, mm-hmm. they branched off and did their own thing when they mm-hmm. did Isley Jasper Isley. Right. Right, right, right. Same way that uh, 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 Ronnie, uh, um, Mike, and and and, and um, oh my gosh, the Bell Bizdevoe. Right, right, right. The same way they they branched off and did their own little thing. They're they, supposed uh, to be I, here, you know. I did that beforehand, huh? They're supposed to be down here with the. Well, so said, what's, what's happening? Those are my guys. Um, yeah, that's yeah. just amazing. Those guys are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've influenced many a generation with their beats and their message and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And they'll continue to do so. Jasper's got a new, some new, great new music out, and mm-hmm. you've got a wonderful show. And it just keeps, it, you know, art, artistry just keeps evolving. <laughs> yes. yes, and you know, if when allowed, it will flourish. You know, I just saw a picture with Edda uh, James. Just think how. The revival that she's had mm-hmm. at last. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! People still love that song. Oh yeah, yeah. And I only wish that she was able to perform that song when she was alive for the president. The last time I saw Etta James was on Dancing with the Stars, probably about a month or so before she passed away, and yeah. she could still sing the song, and she still looked great. Yep, yep. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, keep up, keep up. Please keep up what you're doing. Oh, I will. God willing, I will. And, uh, you know, and like I say, I give all glory to God and I just try to try to be a good servant here. I think you are a, a, a well and faithful servant. Well, thank you. God bless. 